Welcome to the Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and we have a wonderful show today for you. We have a first here on the Rick Z Show. We have a panel discussion about doo-wop music, and if I do say so myself, we have three doo-wop aficionados with us. First, we have Richard Rainey, then we have Anthony Formisano, and last but certainly not least, Rich Zananti, or as I like to call him, Dad. Guys, welcome to the Rick Z Show. Glad to be here. Thank you. Good to be here. Hello, Rick. Before we go any further, I just want to make a point about music from the 50s or music really from any time period. In the 70s, for example, you had two different kinds of music. You had pop music of the day, and you had rock music. You know, pop music would be like the Bee Gees in the 70s, uh, or Donna Summer, or Gordon Lightfoot, or David Soul, or what was that song, Baby Come Back by Player, stuff like that. But that wasn't rock and roll music of the 70s. In the 70s, you had what was called album rock is now called classic rock, stuff like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Leonard Skinner and the Rolling Stones and the Who and Emerson, Lincoln Palmer and, and, and things like that. That stuff is kind of looked at as cooler music, I think. And in the 50s, you had the same thing going on. You had rock music of the day, all those cool guys that everybody idolized like Buddy Holly and Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent and Little Richard and Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis and... Of course, the king of rock and roll himself, Elvis Presley. But then you have pop music of the day, and that was doo-wop. When did doo-wop first begin? Anthony, do you know what the very first doo-wop song was, or, or what, about what year it would have started? Well, it started as, actually, they didn't call it doo-wop. They called it rhythm and blues. And it was probably about 1952 or 53. Uh, could have been the Clovers, or it could have been uh, early Spaniels. 52, that was really early. That's around the time the four freshmen and the ink spots were doing music. Uh, then you're saying doo-wop kind of started to emerge. When did they start calling it doo-wop? I don't think they started to call it doo-wop until the middle 50s. But you had musical bands. The Spaniels had their big hit, Good Night, Sweetheart. But they had a lot of stuff like Automobile. And they had a few other songs that were uh, early rhythm and blues tracks with heavy guitar. It's that situation. All right. You know, I noticed there was a lot of bands back then that had like bird names, you know, the Cardinals and the the Wrens and the Robins and stuff like that. Richard, can you name any other birds? I mean, there seemed to be a lot of birds in doo-wop for some reason. I can't think of anything just right now. Oh, how about the penguins? Uh, but the penguins are, are uh, they do come to mind. The penguins come to mind. Yes. Uh, an all uh, black group. Uh, I've listened to them. I, I'm more interested in uh, the platters. I like the platters a lot. I like the platters. I do like the platters, and I did listen to, growing up, Bill Haley and the Comets, some of those groups that I kind of enjoyed because they had rhythm. Right. And that wasn't really doo-wop, per se, was it? That was, that no. was more like rock and roll music. That was rock and roll, but that was the first introduction for me into that kind of music. You were born when? In 1943? Is that yes, correct? I was born in 1943. Dad, you were born in 43 as well. Correct. So you've got... This is your era, 1943. You guys were late teens, mid, mid to late teens, by the late 50s. You know, the music that you listen to as a teenager stays with you for the rest of your life. But Anthony, you're just a small handful of years ahead of me. And we were born in the 60s. What brought you to doo-wop? Why did you develop such a love for this music? It's a pretty interesting story. One of my best friends, his name is Robert, but his nickname is Cheese. 
in the city, everybody had nicknames. <laughs> so Cheese was about six years older than me, and his brother, his name was Johnny, but they call him Jules, he was 16 years older than me. So we used to go to White Castle in the Bronx uh, Saturday night and listen to Cousin Brucey and Sunday night and listen to Don K. Reed. And I was seven, eight years old, and that's how I got into doo-wop. Wow. I have to thank those two guys. Well, I have to thank my father for introducing me to doo-wop because I remember the days when I was, uh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten years old. Dad, you'd be listening to do the the oldies show on the radio Saturday night for doing sure. the dishes. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And I would be sitting in the kitchen listening too, and I just found the music so colorful and fun, filled with all kinds of sound and harmony and all kinds of interesting lyrics and I just fell in love with it, and I still love it. A lot of my musician friends make fun of me for my love of doo-wop. They find it a little simplistic and even a bit corny, perhaps. I find it deep. To me, doo-wop is, is one of the most romantic musics uh, I've ever heard. And when I say romantic, I don't necessarily mean holding hands with your girl at the drive-in. I just mean echoes of a certain time. You know, You had hair and jackets and cool shoes and cars. And speaking of cars... Richard, what kind of car did you drive back then? Oh, well, the first car I, I received uh, from my grandmother, she gave me the money for it, was a 1963 Chevrolet Supersport. Uh, it was uh, an Impala, and I fell in love with that car. It was a four-speed uh, stick uh, on the floor. I couldn't drive it. My father couldn't drive it, but we managed to get it out of the dealership and got it home. I learned how to use uh, the shifts over time, and I became very good at it. The cars were a big deal back then, right? They were everything. And I'll tell you the reason why I liked that car. No one will probably believe it, but it had a rear speaker in the back. And that, to me, meant that I could play music loud, which I always did. And uh, that extra speaker in the back gave it more um, loudness, which I liked. You know, Dad, I didn't know you as a teenager, obviously. We weren't formally introduced until around my birth. What was life like in the late 50s as a teenager in terms of, you know, what what kind of clothes did you wear and what kind of car did you drive? And did you go to a mall shop? Was that a real thing, mall shops? I mean, what, what was life like back then? I drove a uh, 1960 Pontiac Bonneville. That was a, a hand-me-down. It was a wonderful time. I became a teenager, you know, at 13 in 1956, the same year that Elvis Presley, who was probably the biggest icon at the time in rock music and or doo-wop, I kind of meshed the two together. That year, 1956, Elvis came out with his first big hit, which was his first million seller that went right to number one, a song called Heartbreak Hotel. And that that blew me away. That that just sold me on rock and roll and uh, and doo wop. And that's still my favorite Presley song today. The the songs of, of that era, like Anthony said earlier, doo wop probably got started in the early fifties and hit its peak in the early sixties. And you know, I grew up right through that period. Just like Richard here, it was. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It, it was just fantastic. Just just hearing a great rock song, a favorite rock song of yours, walking down the street made you feel great. Yeah. 
It was fantastic. And yes, there were malt shops. There was one in Catskill, New York, where I grew up. It was called the Sugar Bowl. Every weekend, all the kids were there, and the guys, the girls, and we were playing the music. We were putting on Roy Orbison songs and uh, the platters, like Rich says mm-hmm. here. And you listened to them on, what, a jukebox, probably, right? We listened on a jukebox, yep. That's and correct. you drank, what, egg creams? We did drink egg creams. And I know you're fond of chocolate sodas. That was probably of that time uh, period as well, right? I'm, I'm afraid I still am. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you dress like? I mean, did did any did you guys have pompadours? I mean, what, was it, or, or was that just reserved for very specific, like the greasers, as they used to call them? Well, I, I, I never had that greasy look, but uh, when I did have hair back in those days, I did have a little bit of a pompadour that I would comb back and uh, try to look cool before I picked up my girlfriend. And uh, Nowadays they call that a comb over, I, I think. As you get older, they call that a comb <laughs> no, I'd over. I'd say comb over now. <laughs> and it's even the comb over is uh, rapidly disappearing for me. Anthony, you're of such a different time period. What drew you to this music? I know you had your influences, but what is it about doo-wop that you love so much? I love the obscure doo-wops. But I also like the five-part harmony, and I love the big band in the background. Because I also like big band music from the 30s and 40s. What about you, Richard? I mean, I I noticed that you listen to do-up all the time. You're walking around with it on your phone. I hear it from, you know, I'm going out and getting my mail. Richard lives in the same complex that I live in, and I hear him playing do-up all the time. Where does, I mean, we know where your love for it comes. It's the area you grew up in. But what is it about doo-wop that you like so much? Well, I like harmony, and I like uh, the idea that the uh, groups do get together. They they harmonize. It's more like on the street corner type sound that you would normally associate with, say, like Dion and the Belmonts mm. and things of that. That really attracted me, and I like to understand the words, and I like to understand the melody, and I also like uh, the songs meant something. The lyrics meant something. It's not like uh, music of today where uh, you don't really get that same feeling. And I, yeah. uh, and I think it was great. On times when I had a car I, uh, and I dated and things like that, it was very important for me to show off my car you know, and go to restaurants and things like that. Uh, and there was, uh, we had uh, sock ops, which is what you and I talked about before, where you where the you were on a high in a high school gymnasium, so they want to ruin the floor, so you had to wear certain shoes or socks, as they call so it. So that's where the word sock hop comes yes. from. You had to wear you literally wore your socks. Yes, at this hop or some or sneakers or something like that that would not uh, no no really. Uh, formal shoes that would dig into the uh, into the gymnasium floor. You mentioned uh, Dion and the Belmonts. I believe they were from Belmont Avenue, yeah. where they got their name. Dion, Dion was one of my idols, even though I was from a different era. I loved Dion. I was so fascinated with Dion and the Belmonts. Not only did they have those great harmonies, but Dion was a great singer, and he had this flexibility in his voice, and he could be real smooth, his I Wonder Why voice, but then he could be rough, too, like uh, the, voice, the voice he uses for, say, The Wanderer, and he just had it all. You know, I just love Dion. He's still around, Dion. He's probably 80 years old by now, but from time to time, he'll, he'll do a concert. Mm-hmm. What were some of your favorites, Dad? Some of your favorite groups? Some of your favorite uh, 
Well, uh, Richard uh, picked a, a perfect example for doo-wop by picking Dion and the Belmonts. Belmont Avenue, that's mm-hmm. that's where they got started. They were out there, you know, every night doing their a cappella. And uh, Johnny Maestro in Brooklyn. Johnny Maestro in the Brooklyn Bridge. Same, I met jo- same thing. I met Johnny Maestro one time. Many years ago, I was playing at a club in Newburgh, and I went in there to pick up some tickets that I had to sell for the show and Johnny Maestro was in there because he had a show that night and he was doing a sound check and I got a chance to meet him he's passed now but it was really interesting I I didn't really appreciate it as much at the time because I had I kind of knew who he was but I didn't really fully understand the significance of Johnny Maestro and the Brooklyn Bridge they were actually quite an influential group they were are you a fan of Johnny Maestro Anthony big fan of Johnny Maestro uh I also met him. He was with the Crest first. He had multiple hits. The Dell Satins backed him up, which helped Dion later on when they broke up with the Belmonts. Yeah. And then when he was Johnny Maestro on the Brooklyn Bridge, I think he had one of the Earls with him and people from other bands. But one thing that we didn't mention today with the doo-wop, see, like, you had songs like early doo-wop in the early 50s, like Crying in the Chapel, and then when Elvis redid that, he had a monster hit. So you had songs from the late 40s and early 50s that really didn't gel till they were re-recorded, like Little Diamond by the Diamonds. The original one was a, um, I forgot, I think it was the Gladiolas. They had no hit with it. Then when the Diamonds recorded it, it was a monster hit. Then also another thing that we didn't touch on yet, the two eras of doo Duop started as rhythm and blues in the early 50s. It gelled to Speedo and the Cadillacs, the Kleptones, mm-hmm. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Then it died out in the late 50s. Then we had the white duop bands. We had Dion and Belmonts. We had Frankie and the Four Seasons. We had Vito and the Elegance. We had tons of a, a reoccurrence of these groups from, I would say, 61 to about 66, 67. Mm-hmm. Well, it went that far, went that long. You know, it's very interesting. I noticed there are many different time periods in doo-wop or, or different types of music within doo-wop music. One thing that always struck me is doo-wop had this kind of maudlin nature uh, to some degree. Yeah, these really sad songs, these tearjerkers, like what springs to mind is, you know, Teen Angel and... Um, Tell Laura I love her. Somebody was always going back to get their high school ring and then got hit by a train or something. You know? Right, right. Well, what, why do you think that is, uh, Dad? Why'd they have such maudlin material? Because it's sold. They played on your emotions and they made <laughs> lots of money. That's a great point. Yeah. What, what about you, Richard? Did you like any of those? Any that you could think of that were just well, particularly... Well, I, I, I was just going over what my first uh, uh, group that I really, really liked, and that was the Diamonds. All right. I like Little Darling. I mean, that that really uh, affected me a lot because of the fact that I like the beat. Every every time you watch Dick Clark, they always ask you, uh, you know, what did you like about the song? Well, I like the beat. You know, and they said, well, can you give us some something else? You know, but everything was based on the beat, and and that really affected me. And I really liked that the lead singer of the Diamonds was a fellow by the name of um, Dave Somerville. Dave Somerville also played, or he was the lead singer of a group called The Preps, Four Preps. So they were interchangeable, 
All right, and uh, fortunately he passed away a while back, but they were interchangeable. So he held uh, almost like two hats, and he always complained that he was on uh, on the show that he was he was always he made it to number two on the hit parade. He could never make it to number one because Elvis was in, in always number one. Of course, always knocking everybody off the block. Right, Elvis. But I, I think he was also Canadian. He was Canadian. He was Canadian. Right. The whole group was Canadian. Yep. And he was a really nice guy. I liked, I liked him, and when he passed away, I, I thought I had it written it down when he passed. He was really great. He's been on a lot of uh, Channel 13 oldies uh, rock and roll groups uh, that come on every once in a while to raise money for folks. He was on there, and it was a great group. I love that sound. Dad, you were going to say something. I was going to say a couple of things. Richard mentioned uh, the Diamonds and how um, some of the singers would jump groups. They'd go from one group to another, uh, like uh, Anthony alluded to earlier. That was an ongoing thing. Uh, you'd get a group, that, they'd have a big hit, and the next time you saw them, uh, somebody was missing. <laughs> he jumped over with another group who, who had another big hit, and then they lost somebody. And went, you know, that, that, that was ongoing all the time. They were pretty interchangeable at that yeah. time. One thing I want to interject so I don't forget it. This was when I was a junior in high school. You talk about why we like doo-wop or rock and, you know, what were the early memories, uh, how we got hooked on it and all that. When I, when I was a junior in high school in 1961, I went to a rock and roll show at the Paramount Theater in Brooklyn. Mm. As Richard alluded to earlier, Alan Freed was a host. He was like the king of hosts for rock and roll. Coined the phrase rock and roll. Yes, yes, Alan Freed. And I sat there in the audience, and I couldn't believe it. The Capris came out and sang, There's a Moon Out Tonight. And I said, Ah, it's one of my favorite songs. I can't believe these guys are doing it live in front of me. Oh, my gosh. And then the Olympics came out, and they did... I'm, these two gentlemen on my left and right, they, they probably would remember My Baby Likes a Western Movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> my Baby Likes By the Olympics, they came Western out. Western Movies. Yeah. <laughs> they came out and sang that. And then uh, Little Anthony and Imperials. You saw Little Anthony? Tear, yeah. Wow. Tears on My Tears Pillow. Tears on My Pillow. Uh, the, um, Blue Moon by the Marcells. Now, there's a song that was written in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Rogers and Hart They grabbed it. it. They revised it. They did their doo-wop with it, and it was a huge hit. There were a lot of songs like that. Yeah, that's classic. That's cl- I never knew that that you saw that show, and I'm very jealous because I mean that's that's as classic as it gets. I like to add one thing. Little Anthony is really little. He's only about five one because I stood next to him, and he's still little. And I'm not taller than too many people. I was taller than him. I felt pretty good. Taller than little Anthony. Anthony taller than little Anthony. That's right. Wow, you'd be the big Anthony in that scenario. You know, do up music is so much fun. There's so many colorful sounds, and I love harmonies like that too, and just great melodies. Let's talk about some of the great singles that there were. One of my all-time favorites, and I'm sure you guys will agree, Come Go With Me by the Dell Vikings. Yes. Whispering Bells. Whispering Bells. That was the flip side. That was uh, uh, the B side. That was terrific. I mean, anything like that would be very... That song was made while those guys were still in the Air Force when they cut that record. I'll add one that will blow the mic off the set here. I'm so young by the students. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. When they come out and they sing that, chills chills on my body. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, you know what gives me chills when I hear it is 
the five satins in the still of the night. That's one of my favorites. When I hear that Another song, classic. there's one moment in that song during the saxophone solo. It's a really subtle moment. Musicians pick it out probably more than anyone else where the saxophone cracks just a bit during the solo. It's almost a mistake. But boy, had they changed that, it would have been terrible because the, there was so much soul in that moment. That's the thing about these songs is they were just filled with soul. They were real. They were real Real guys singing real stuff. Do you guys remember street corners where guys would gather together and sing doo-wop? Was that a thing that people did when you guys were young? Well, I lived in Yonkers. It was a big city. Uh, we didn't do that. I didn't remember that ever. But I know down in the Bronx, where most of the groups started, that was a big thing. Down in the subways and things like that, where mm-hmm. you can get a good um, uh, voice uh, re- uh, reverberation and things like that. Uh, I mean, they practiced anywhere. There was a fellow, I can't remember the name of his name, but he always practiced uh, anywhere he could with his group. Little Darlin' you mentioned earlier, Richard, that's one of my yeah. favorites too. It's just, uh, I know it sounds funny, but it's just got a great cowbell part, you know? Yeah. It's got that driving rhythm, more cowbell, yeah. more cowbell. It's just got such a sound, and it, it had that weird sound in the beginning, like somebody's laughing and shaking a shaker or something. I mean, it's just so many cool sounds and doo-wop. What other songs? Daddy's Home? Who sang that? Who sang Daddy's Home? Uh, Shep and the Limelight. Shep and the Limelight. Yeah. Or it could have been the other band. They're the same band, basically. I'll think of it. The Heartbeats. The Heartbeats. The Heartbeats and Shep and the Limelights are the same band except one guy. They sing Daddy's Home and then A Thousand Miles Away. It's basically the same song. One of yes. My, one of my favorites uh, also would be in my top five favorite doo-wop songs of all time would be Little Star by The Elegance. You guys must like that one. Vito Bacone. Love it. Love it. My, well, my favorite all-time rock song or doo-wop song, whatever you want to call it, is not one of those number one sellers that we've all been mentioning. It's a song called You Cheated by The Shields. And that's always been a favorite of mine. You cheated, you lied. Yeah. I cheated, you lied. I noticed that when anyone mentions a, a, a doo-wop song, I could feel it in all of you guys, the recognition of these songs, because you guys are such big fans. You know all these tunes. Uh, you mentioned There's a Moon Out Tonight, Dad. That, who yep. sang that one? The Capris. The Capris. That was also one of my favorites. And, of course, Run Around Sue. How can you beat Run Around Sue? I mean... Yep. I still hear it at the gym, um, you know, <laughs> on the radio. They still amazing, play. Amazing. They play a lot of Dion at the gym for some reason. But you still hear Dion on the radio from time to time. You don't really hear a lot of other doo-wop songs unless you're listening to, you know, an oldie show or something like that. So where did it go? Where did doo-wop go? I, I mean, part of that answer, I think, is the Beatles came along and wiped everybody out. Right. You had right. the Beach Boys, and then music just evolved. It moved on. You got Motown. You have all this other stuff. But yeah. why didn't doo-wop stand the test of time? Anthony, what, what do you think? Well, you see, like in the late 60s, if you really think about it, you had five different bands, five different sounds. Now, the Supremes ran the whole 60s with Motown. Frankie Valli ran the 60s, and they had a touch of doo-wop. The Beach Boys had the harmonies, mm-hmm. and you had the Beatles, had the, the English Invasion. So you had these bands, they were totally different sounding bands, but they ruled the 60s, all the hits, they had all the hits. Look at any charts in the 60s, 
It's the Supremes, it's the Four Seasons, it's the Beatles, it's the Beach Boys. And the Beach Boys do doo-wop as good as anybody. They do, they do. When I hear Barbara Ann or a song like that, I, I, it invokes that sound of doo-wop. And they, I'm sure, were huge fans. I know Brian Wilson was a fan of the Four Freshmen, and a lot of the Beach Boys harmonies come from the Four Freshmen, which to me is almost pre-doo-wop. It's not quite doo-wop, filled with great harmonies, of course. But doo-wop was a very specific thing. You know, you had saxophone solos. You had the low voice, and you had those high voices, all these different colors, all these different... Palettes. It was really a, a beautiful music, and it's a shame that there's not more harmonies and things like that in music today. I still listen to doo-wop. I had some of it playing before the show, and each song was like, oh, I remember this. Mr. Earl. Who sang Mr. Earl? Cadillacs. The Cadillacs. They had cool names as well. I know that Shanana, they were a band in the 70s. There was a little bit of a resurgence of doo-wop at that time, and I think they helped to kind of bring it into the forefront. And I loved Shanana because they were so good at reproducing the sound, trying to keep it alive. And they also played the part. They, they had the look. They all wore, you know, tank tops and wore sunglasses and jeans and sneakers, and they looked the part. They were cool. You guys remember Shanana? Sure. In the movie Grease, they were very active in playing a lot of songs. Yeah, that's right. And so they seem to have uh, uh, come into their own by uh, getting a resurgence of that kind of music. And Grease obviously brought everything back into perspective, which I find very interesting. And American Graffiti as well. The and film American, American Graffiti. Graffiti. The 70s seemed to be a time where they tried to bring doo-wop back, or I, I don't know if they tried to bring it back so much as they were paying homage to it. I think uh, PBS had several segments of big doo-wop groups. Uh, I, I think that was like in the 90s. Uh, all of Yeah, you're right, Dad. Yeah. I remember that. In fact, Richard and I were talking about that recently. And, and Richard, you watch all that doo-wop stuff on PBS when they have it. Don't well, you? I try to record it, and I, I recorded a lot of it. And then when I changed uh, uh, around uh, to where I couldn't record anymore, I lost all of that. And but they do come back every once in a while with another segment of uh, doo-wop generations and things like that. They still now, sound good too. And they still sound good. Yeah. But here's the key: the key to that is that the older group, the older groups are are losing people. They pass away and everything. But now the younger generation, some of the younger generation, is coming in and replacing those folks uh, and keeping it going. They're embracing the True. music. And there's they, they a beautiful are. special on public television. Mm. It's actually the Brooklyn Bridge with a young kid that sounds just like Johnny Maestro. I know. It's 2018, mm -hmm. multiple young singers with the bands, and if you get a chance to see it, if you're a doo-wop person, don't miss it. Well, in some fashion, doo-wop lives on, and I really appreciate the three of you being here today. It means a lot to me that you stop by the Rick Z Show to have this discussion about a music we all love. Thank you all so much. Anthony Formisano, Richard Rainey, and of course we have Rich Zanante, or again, as I like to call him, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you for having Thanks Thank so you much, for Our Thank pleasure. You. It was a, a lot of fun. I, what a great show. It, it put a smile on my face. I, I didn't realize you were going to end it because I wouldn't like to mention about the dancing. See, none of us mentioned the dancing. You could go see the band. They, the, the show was so good that you didn't even hear the music sometimes. Because of the show, because yeah, I mean the Cadillacs. When I saw the Cadillacs, they came out. They carried a paper Cadillac, a cardboard <laughs> Cadillac. 
they opened it up, they pulled it on stage, Speedo and the Cadillacs. Then Speedo used to wear, remember he used to wear a top yeah, hat? Absolutely. He goes in a corner, he opens a box, he takes a top hat and a cane, and they, they often call me Speedo, and, he's, and see stuff like that, the, between the dancing, the harmonizing, forget it. I saw um, the fellow that does uh, Duke of Earl. Gene Chandler. Gene, Gene Chandler came out with a top hat and yeah, a cane. Same thing. That was on one of the shows. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love the on Duke Channel of Earl. 13. I love the Duke of Earl. And I he mean, go down. Yeah. He goes down the uh, the audience through yeah, the audience, saw, uh, mm-hmm. and he's singing the Duke of a oh, great. And, and great. these songs that they recorded, they made one take. Okay, that's why you hear mistakes. These we're not on anymore, right? No, we're still on. Oh, no, we're still nothing on. can stop okay. these guys. I, thought, you, I didn't realize. You can't, okay. you can't stop doo-wop. We'll just keep, we'll just keep, we'll just keep going. Just say what you want to say. I wanted to say, like, a lot of these, fools, lives. A lot of these fools that record today make 100 to 200 takes, and they still don't sound good. And nobody could sing live. And here you have guys that might have went to jail, dropped out of school, singing in front of a garbage can, that's better than anything you ever heard without any music. You know, that, that's a great point, Anthony. You had to have the goods. You had to be able to sing, to sing doo-wop. My friends that said, well, it's very simplistic and it's a little corny. Uh, okay, uh, maybe so to some degree by today's standards. You had to have a good ear and good pitch and know how to sing well with a group. And you had to be able to belt that stuff out. I don't know if any of you guys ever listened to Kenny Vance. Oh, yes. Kenny Vance is an original Jay and the Americans. Yes. And he actually came out with a goof band in American Hot Wax, Kenny and the Planetones. Yes. He got so big, he's one of the best singers, and he still performs today. Yes. Wow. And it's a, he has a very high pitch, and he still sings. And he, not only that, but you hear him a lot on, on a lot of these shows mm-hmm. on a, one of the, our local stations here across the river a little bit. But they do have the oldie show on Saturday night, and you can hear a lot of it if you wish. Yeah, his big song is Looking for an Echo. Looking for an Echo. That's what I was referring to before about looking for a place to find where you could sing and harmonize and you'll get a good echo from it. And that's what he refers to about that. You know, it would be very easy to do this all night, and I'm sure that we could, and I'm sure that we would. But unfortunately, it's a 30-minute show, and it's probably time to say goodbye. And I'm just as sad as anyone, but I want to thank you guys again so much for being on the show. You're very welcome. Likewise. Great great show. Thank you, Rick, for having us. Maybe there'll be a part two. Maybe there will. (laughs) There might have to be a part two. We might have to cut this one in half. I better brush up on my lead singers. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you guys could teach a course in doo We didn't mention I mean, any girl just, singers. There's a mess of that's them. That's true. Well, there weren't a lot of girl singers in doo were there? Oh, there were, yes. There were. The like Chantels. The, the, the Shangri-Las. Shire- the Shirelles. The, I think the, the Ronettes. The Angels, yeah. right? The, the Angels. Crystals. Right. Darlene Love was with uh, Bobby Sox in the Blue Jeans. The Crystals, right. Solo. Mm-hmm. Monster Hits. Angel Monster. Baby. You know, who did that? That was... Uh, uh, Rosie and the Originals. Rosie and the, the Originals. Original. Angel yeah. Baby. Very How good. about a, a thousand stars? Uh, Kathy and the roommates. Kathy Young. Kathy Young and the roommates. Wow. Yeah. You, you guys really could teach a course. Now, a lot of these girl groups, as they were called at the time, we're talking now early 60s, right? There weren't a lot of these groups in the late 50s. It was more in the early 60s, right, correct? Right, Leader of the pack. Who yes. sang that? The, the Shangri-Las. Oh, what yeah. a cool song that yeah. was. How about but, the ponytails? I mean... To know a Mr. Love. I mean, you, you don't hear that. Written by Phil Spector. 
Yes, but the ponytails were, I think, I saw them on, on uh, at one time, they were four, now they're down to three and maybe less. But boy, what a harmony uh, for those gals. I saw the, the original Dixie Cups in New Orleans, by the way. Mm-hmm. Thought I'd throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chapel of Love, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. sang Chapel of Love. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, they were, you know, pro- probably late 70s, early 80s when I saw them just a few years ago. But it was so cool to see them. Like, there they were, the original ones. And so. remember the Dell Vikings? I wrote this down to Dell Vikings. Come go with me. First interracial group. Uh, they they had one white singer there, and the rest were black. The and, white singer's still with them, and it's still with them. That's very true. But they, uh, it's the first group I've ever uh, seen that had, was interracial at the time. Uh, groundbreaking. That was groundbreaking. And here goes Rixie trying to end the show a third time. <laughs> Uh, for the sake of time, not because I want to. You guys are so enthusiastic about this great music, and I am too, and I wish we could do this all night. I really do. He's actually picking us up now and throwing us outside. (laughs) (laughs) Here, listen. (laughs) Thank you again, guys. It really was a true pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you. Our pleasure. You've been listening to The Rick Z Show every week. Produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. Come on back next week and see what we got cooking. Until then, go listen to some doo-wop there, little darling. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.